This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 563 Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. A late future state, Bendis gets the league back together. What's red and blue and Superman all over? Barbalian wanders to a conclusion. It's a brand new verse. Diamond just got a lot less shiny. And holding the line at $5.99? This is how I got my wife to read comics for Sunday, March 28th, 2021. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. You can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get our feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs, or subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and find somewhere to leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn, or call us at 614-321-9737, that's 614-321-9SFP. First off, a late report from Future State. One of the titles got lost in the delivery shuffle. Future State Immortal Wonder Woman number one and number two with a Nubia backup feature by Clunan, Conrad, McKinney, Bartel, Martinez, Morales, and Lopez. This is all coming out of the Dark Metal event. The title is literal as we follow the goddess to the end of time. She goes to the long-abandoned Batcave to say goodbye to Bruce's spirit taking his utility belt as a souvenir. She's already wearing a GL ring on a chain around her neck. Meanwhile, Barda is begging Darkseid to ready for the final battle against the Undoing, a concept that appears to tie into the Generations miniseries. He refuses, deciding to fly to Earth as Apocalypse is consumed. Back to Diana, who checks in with the ancient Swamp Thing, asking him to hold on. Then it's on to Themyscira, asking the others to escape the end of the Earth, but they want to fight instead. Darkseid crash lands, and Diana tries to fight him, only to see an aged Superman arriving for the fight. Clark flies Darkseid into the sun, destroying them both. Diana grieves, then goes into space as Earth is consumed. At the end, there are only two beings left, Diana and the Spectre, who needs a blessing from her before moving on, which she does. The Undoing finally consumes her, and in death, she sends out a pulse which basically recreates the Big Bang, creating a new DCU. The Nubia backup was actually interesting. She's set up as the second daughter of Hippolyta, who either is cast out or decides to wander, depending on who's telling the tale. She's fighting Grail, who's collecting artifacts that form a mystical key of immense power. Nubia is somehow protected in the fight and goes to visit her Aunt Nancy, a club owner and ancient magic user. She tells Nubia that the artifacts were created, then dispersed by a coven of powerful witches in ancient times, hoping the pieces would never be brought together. Nubia is then transported by Grail to complete her plan. She calls for Circe, asking for her help in getting Nubia's Tierra. In return, Circe can stay in the mortal realm. 
Circe is more than happy to do it, of course, but when she tries, the spirits of the ancient witches fill Nubia with power, allowing her to kick both their asses. Turns out the tiara is the last artifact, and she is now responsible for it and the other artifacts. The artwork is very expressive. Justice League number 59 with a jail dark backup by Bendis, Marquez, Bonvillian, V, Zermanico, and Vajardo Jr., Brian Michael Bendis takes over DC's premier super team. We kick things off with two voices debating the role of the league. It's Ollie and Dinah. Then a cut to Kondok, where Black Adam fights a mysterious demon who pops in, naturally speaking modern vernacular. This is Bendis, of course. The league comes in to help. Superman, Batman, Hawkgirl, Aquaman. Clark throws the demon into the sea for Arthur to fight, which doesn't go well. Shiera's nth metal mace goes crazy when it gets near the creature. The demon decides to bug out for now. Cut to the Hall of Justice to compare notes and do some research. This is where Ollie and Dinah first appear. Ollie thinks they should be doing more, and Clark agrees. How? Ollie thinks they need new voices as they have all started thinking the same way. Meanwhile, Barry is doing research on the creature, I thought he had handed things off to Wally. Kalex, Superman's fortress robot who apparently is going to hang out at the hall, finds a match for the demon, and it's the world where Naomi came from. We know that Naomi will become a leaguer since Bendis created her. Cut to Naomi and her friends, Black Adam, flying in to have a word. Really, not a lot of actual story in here, partly because they need room for the JL Dark backup, which is all about Merlin returning to the world and has decided he needs to take a more active and apparently deadly role in things. Meanwhile, Constantine and Zatanna are on a case, and they run into Jason Blood. Superman, Red and Blue, number one, by Ridley, Henry, Easton, Lieber, Chang, Waters, Danny, Bennett, and Thompson. DC is starting a new set of anthologies based on the success of Batman Black and White. The conceit here is that the artists only have red and blue and black to work with. The first story is rather jarring as we learn that Clark, as Superman, was at one point held hostage in a totalitarian regime for eight months. They zapped him with kryptonite to shut his powers down. This is actually based on a 1970 World's Finest story. He spent that time being tortured and the world knew about it. Batman eventually got him out. I can't believe the other heroes and governments would just sit around and let this happen. Now Clark is back in the country, no longer a dictatorship, but a new capitalist country, to interview the former dictator. He goes through multiple emotions, anger and fear, but holds back in the interview, only changing into his work clothes when he sees police cars. Also in the volume, Superman asks for forgiveness when he's too late to save a drug addict. It took him a while to get through his mail. A Superman early in his career is saved by a boy with a cyborg arm who later gets a job at the planet. A Mitzelplik-like creature drains the world of color, giving Superman a box that will return them. The world has lost joy, but also much hatred, so he debates what to do, and he eventually lets the colors out. A young Clark tries to fit in on his first day of school. We really enjoy these out-of-main continuity stories, and Diana will be getting a similar treatment soon. Barbalian, Red Planet number 5 from Dark Horse by Lemire, Brumball, Hernandez, Walta, Belair, and Bidikar. The final issue of this mini, which probably could have been told in two to three issues tops. This issue melds multiple events, 
Mark Marks being found guilty on Mars, Mark fighting Boa Boaz later on, Mark being too late to save his new partner on Earth, and Mark turning in his badge. It's all very well laid out, but by this point the title had already accomplished what it set out to do, with this issue being almost filler. With all the work Lemire is doing, he should have edited this down to save himself some work. Firefly, brand new verse number one from Boom Studios by Gordon Mascalo and Digimarino. After years of fleshing out every nook and cranny of the sci-fi series, Boom has decided to move ahead a generation. Zoe is now captain of Serenity with a new crew, including her daughter Emma, now an adult, who has been promised the job of captain when she's ready. Emma seems to spend a lot of time in VR enjoying stories about mysteries of the earth that was. There's also crew members like Lu Bao and Salo, who we assume will be fleshed out over time. While the crew goes off to collect supplies, Zoe visits Anera, now a priestess. Later, Serenity runs a mission to steal cargo from a freighter, only to find a person in the container. Hmm, that harkens back to the first episode of uh, Firefly. Lots of world building going on here, which you would expect. Well, we just had another seismic event in the comic industry. On Thursday, Marvel announced that they are following DC's lead, leaving Diamond distributors for another distributor, in this case, Penguin Random House, as opposed to a brand new concern that DC set up. This goes into place for all Marvel titles as of October 1st. Of course, you can still order your Marvel and DC stuff through Diamond, but they just act as a middleman between you and the new distributor, which means costs go up somewhere along the line. Of course, they can't go up at the last part because they can't raise the cover price of the comic to the customer. Penguin has stated they will cover shipping costs, which Diamond does not. Diamond has a sliding discount scale based on how much your local comic book shop orders, but Penguin will reportedly do 50% discount across the board. All of this makes it difficult to figure out if costs will go up or down. None of this should impact what you pay for comics, at least not directly. It's more a matter of who will absorb any additional costs. Most likely, that will be your local comic book shop. There are complaints that Penguin does a terrible job in shipping and product often arrives damaged. Penguin has already announced new boxes as well as dedicated warehouses for comics and dedicated customer service reps assigned to accounts. Keep in mind that Penguin already distributes DC for bookshops like Barnes & Noble. Will other publishers follow suit? Finally, what happens to Diamond? Now, if you owned a business that ships physical goods and were told that your business would drop 70% in two years, DC is 30% of the business, which is already gone, and Marvel is 40%, would you be worried? I frankly don't see a solution where Diamond survives this, which would leave all the other publishers in the lurch. Is that Marvel's goal here? Uh, Would it drive the smaller publishers out of business, or... Would they just go with uh, another big distributor like Penguin? or? I, I think they'd be forced to, uh, I, I, or go out of business. Uh, but I think it would make more sense for them to end up with, we may well end up with a new monopoly. <laughs> Do you think that this could lead to current comic books being carried in more stores since Penguin does distribute to bookstores? Theoretically, yes. I think it would be a good chance for 
independent publishers to get into bigger chains, which today really the only the big guys get into, say, a Barnes and Noble. And it could help them. This next story, which we will talk about, could help independents who are keeping their prices in line. Mm-hmm. DC also made an announcement. Actually, they hit it in their latest solicitations. As noted above, DC is going to back up stories in their regular titles, which means an increase in page count, which means an increase in price. The first comics coming out post-Future State with backups were clocking in at $4.99 for 30-page stories. 22 main page, 8-page backup. In the June info, the Batman and Joker titles are moving to $5.99 with no change in page count. Superman Red and Blue, already at $5.99, will drop eight pages with no price change alongside the new Wonder Woman, Black, White, and Gold. As a point of comparison, 10 years ago, DC had a big advertising push for holding the line at $2.99. We are very glad we're transitioning away from most of DC's main line. Announcer Bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.